Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, whenever, wherever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 47 and coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery and Meaning Your True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm your host and producer, the biggie, Eric Fisher, man on the ones and twos, joining me in the studio this week, he's back, the beard, Ramsey Thompson, how you doing, buddy? Awesome, guys. I'm kind of coming back on Shauna on the football, uh, fantasy football league right now. Yeah, she is not happy with that. And uh, the comeback hats are coming. I love it. I love, I, I'm rooting for both of you in that, but at the same time, like, I kind of, you know, because I have won this week, it is what it is, I'm kind of hoping you both lose, because you guys are both kind of upstart teams and getting hot and kind of coming after that first place. Which, I'm coming for it. So we'll see. The fan club's on the way. Oh my god, this show is already awful. The dumpster fire. Yeah, what first minute, Ramsey? We are in the first minute of this show and just already sucks. You know what? It is what it is. People appreciate it regardless. Yeah, I can't fight that. So we start off the episode with what we always start off with: our partners, Monkey Knife Fight and Raise Energy. First of all, Monkey Knife Fight. Like I said, if you're not playing Monkey Knife Fight, what are you doing? We'd be paying your rent. Pay your. If you just pay attention. To if what you we talk pay about. attention, and and really, if you like, know basically anything about sports i mean let's look at that let's look at the packers cheat uh packers Arizona cardinals game. game aaron jones touchdown you knew randall cobb was going to score especially with everyone else out with everyone else out if you even do the two and a half the times four multiplier that's your that's your score right there you don't even have to pick anybody from the cardinals i mean you do have to pick them to do the contest but you don't have to be right about any of them no. And you win. It's just basically printing money. And you could have picked either running back. They both scored for the Cardinals. Running backs are always a solid pick for that, at least one. So you really, I mean, and Aaron Jones got robbed of a touchdown in that game too. So really, you could have had the three and a half touchdowns with just Cobb and Jones almost. There would have been enough money to pay you to rent and take a girlfriend out or boyfriend. Whatever. Out for okay. a fancy steak dinner. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, monkeyknifefight.com should definitely be following along if you're not. And if you are, we thank you. Good partners over there. Our other partners, Raise Energy, RepSports.com. As you, you guys know the deal, Route 4, it's a lifestyle. I've got, I'm still waiting my Frank and Sour flavor, the Halloween flavor. I'm a little bit bummed I didn't get it before Halloween. Just a little bit downer, but I'm so excited for it. I'm sure it's going to be great, like everything else that they do is. Oh, the cans sorry, are cool. Sorry your Christmas season gets cut a little short because you're going to celebrate Halloween an extra week. Is it a little bit of a bummer? Just a little unfortunate. I can't believe you don't have Christmas movies on right now. There's football on. So tomorrow? I start, and I don't seek it out. I want to make that clear, but I start listening to Christmas music. Like, if it comes on my Spotify playlist, because... I'm not one of those people, and you experienced that this weekend, and we'll talk about that later, our, our trip to Madison. You experienced my playlist for one of the first times ever. It, you know, surprisingly, it reminds me a lot of my playlist that I have. Well, surprise, surprise, two guys who have known each other for... Ever have similar taste in music. Shocker. But we're sitting in the car, and it is just a cluster of just random-ass songs. Like, I was into it. Yeah, but it's my playlist drives you either love it or you hate it because it's it's so many songs of just no organization and but that drives some people crazy shauna it drives crazy drives her nuts i bet some of my other friends shauna seems organized 
Ramsey, there's 111 hours, 56 minutes. One more song. I'm, I'm one song away, basically, from 112 hours of just chaos. I love it. And there's Christmas music in there. There's Oof. soundtracks. There's, there's Disney songs. In there. You name it, it's in there. I almost guarantee it. But anyway, so I say this. In my controlled chaos playlist, if I come across a Christmas song, and if I'm in the mood for it, the day after my birthday, it's okay. June 25th, it's halfway to Christmas. We're more than halfway. After my birthday, we are more than halfway to Christmas. This should not surprise you at all. It doesn't. It just hurts me on the inside. That's on you. If you don't love joy and happiness and I actually hate joy a little bit of nostalgia, that's on you. I, I don't feel bad for that. I mean, you're not going to guilt me into it. Anyway, so, yes, raise energy. Code root4, repsports.com. Like I said, the protein pancakes, sleep the sleep supplements. supplements, the energy drinks, the pre-workout. It's all there. It's all great, honestly. Check it out. Get 15% off any order. Code Roof. And I'm sure they're going to have some Christmas flavors come up here, too. I don't know what they're going to be. But they're always dropping new limited-time flavors. So pay attention to that. We'll let you know how it is. But the cans are going to be cool at the very least. I mean, you've got to always pay attention to Ray's just for the fact that they're always doing something interesting. And their social media is great, too. Their social media is incredible. Their cans are incredible. And the product's incredible. It's just a lifestyle, man. That's all it is. And their clothes are incredible, like the, the yeah. merch. The t-shirts. The bottles. The hats. The stickers. Stickers. Really anything that you could think of has a logo on it and you can wear it or... And we do. It's, it really is a lifestyle that we've really, truly embraced. So that's Ray's Sports. So we start off the episode getting right into it. What we had rooted for, this is sponsored by Fanatics. Ramsey, I'm, I'm sure you saw the pictures. We had it on, the, on our Facebook page. You know where I got that Badger sweatshirt? Fanatics.com. It's a lifestyle, too. Show your love for your team. Whether you're knocking off the top 10 team, storming the field, or if you're a Lions fan, show your love for your team. Doesn't everyone love the Lions just a little bit? I don't think, I'll I'll go this far. I don't think anybody hates the Lions. Which which means everybody kind of loves the Lions. Are they the Cubs of the NFL? Um, Not anymore, because the Cubs have won a World Series in the last 10 years. Yeah, but they're a bunch of bums now. They are. They are back to being bums, and that's just great. So with that, what we had rooted for, and, and speaking of the Cubs... I'm going to take the baseball route here. It's the World Series. And to this point, it's been almost all Atlanta. And I'm sure Justin, who's not joining us here this week, is just rolling over on the floor happy with the fact that his, and I use that term loosely, his Braves are on top of the baseball world right now. Almost. Didn't they get their ass kicked last night? They did. And that's what I was going to bring up. Game, or game five was last night. It's on a night. So by the time we're recording this, two nights ago. I actually watched the World Series over Sunday Night Football, and we'll talk about the dumpster fire that was the NFL schedule this weekend. However, that game starts off, bottom of the first, the Braves hit a grand slam. It's 4 nothing. It's looking like it's curtains. It's like, this is going to be the Braves' World Series. They're going to go up 3-1. Top of the second, I believe, the Astros get two backs. It's 2-4. to four. I believe then they tie the game. Third inning, Freddie Freeman goes yard, answers the call back. It's five to four. From that point on, it was all Astros all the way, and just making for at the very least a six-game series 
Game six will be tonight back in Houston. No more pitchers hitting, so we'll have the DH. Why do we have a DH all the time? Because there's baseball nerds who are bigger nerds than me. And in the one element, I like the strategy of having a pitcher hit because then you got to time out when you pinch hit and, and the risks of it. But, yeah, I don't get it either. I want to see more home runs. Yeah. Less bunting. I'm sure you do. Bunting is the worst thing in the sport. Bunting is the worst thing in the sport. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. You don't get chicks by bunting. You really don't. You really don't. Ch- chicks dig the long ball. So let's get more Let's get more steroided out men out there to crush 450 feet homers. I'm not going to go to steroids, but everything else you said. Big fan. <laughs> you should be the commissioner. We made baseball fun again. That's iffy at best. But anyway, so that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for game six, or I'd root for game five to not be, like I said, I don't want to see a, a three or four one series win. I got to see at least game six. I'm hoping this thing goes seven. At that point, I have such a hard time rooting for the Braves because I just I can't root for a team that eliminated my team in that same playoffs. But I'm also rooting for just an incredible, I'm rooting for a classic. We haven't had an instant classic game yet. Does that make you feel a little bit better, though, if the Braves do win at all? See, like everyone says that. I, I really don't like those takes because it just actually kind of pisses me off a little bit. Like, oh, we got beat by the team that won. Woohoo! No, I don't give a shit. Well, at least you lost the World Series winner, not the World Series loser. Sure, but I don't give a shit. I, I just can't. Because at least, at least that says to me, like, let's, let's use the Brewers a couple years ago. 2018 season, they get bounced by the Dodgers in the NLCS, Game 7. Dodgers go and lose to the Boston Red Sox that year. It makes me feel a little bit better because it's like, okay, maybe the Brewers couldn't have won the World Series. Boston was really good that year. You look at it that way. 2019 happens. The Nationals beat the Brewers in that wild card game. They go on a run with the World Series. Yeah, cool. We, we lost the team that ended up winning, and, and they were better. But at the same time, it just pisses me off a little bit. Like, in least, theory, that could have been us. At least we'll make the 30 for 30. I guess, but I just, I'd rather be winning the ship. And you, But the Brewers obviously weren't going to win the ship because they couldn't beat the 88 win Atlanta Braves. Sure. But by that logic, if they win the World Series, the Brewers get past that, you can... But they didn't. Kind of say, yeah, I just, I can't do it. I just can't do it. That's just me. I'm probably in the minority on that. Just can't do it. Go Braves. I can't pull for the cheating Astros. That's a you thing. I don't... Here you are saying, let's get steroids back in baseball, but. Yeah, cheating's fun when you don't get caught. As soon as you get caught, you're a bunch of losers. But they did get, the cheaters, all the steroids did get caught. Not while they were doing it. That was an after the fact then. Okay, I'm not going to unravel that whole conversation. We have things more Go important steroids. to talk about. <laughs> Jesus. That's all I want. We have more important things to talk about in this episode. I don't think so. Ramsey, what did you root for this last week? You know, I was going to say one thing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little detour. I pulled for Tom Brady. Okay. And I don't know what the hell he was doing, throwing in a triple coverage twice to the same side of the field. He did not play his best game yesterday. He played fine. It was just a bad, like, Tom, come on, bud. Like, we know better than that. The, uh, first off, on first and 10 with a minute 55 left, and we're going to throw down the sideline to Mike Evans in double coverage. Tom, come on. 
And then you have Chris Godwin coming across the field, and you threw it directly to the safety. Mm-hmm. And Chris Godwin was not open at any point in that route. No. So why are we throwing it there? We have nothing but time. And you only had to get to a field goal range at that point. Yeah, I, that was... Oh, Tom, I'm not going to give you a noogie because I love you, but... <laughs> Frustrated Tom Brady fan today. Yeah, it was, like I said, rough, rough week for you on that front, buddy. We, I know what you're going to say. We're going to dedicate a whole segment to that. We're not going to make that what we had rooted for. That's why, that's why I moved off of it. Yeah. Is that audible? I do. I like it. So, time for the Nuggies. Tyler Hero, Nuggie of the Week time. And I've got a couple. And one is more of just a collective. What a shitty week of sports as a whole. It really was a dumpster fire of a week. I mean, the Packers, we had the World Series going. Big fan of that. Yeah. But the Packers start off the weekend, or, you know, the week, with a game that the NFL probably didn't count on being that good. When they made the schedule, because they make the schedule like right around free agency time, right before the draft. You can't tell me that they were sitting here like, oh, dude, Packers, Cardinals is going to be six and or five or six and one versus six and oh, or seven and oh, whatever. I slightly disagree with that just for the fact I thought Arizona was going to be a good team this year. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were now. Right. I thought that that was going to be like a four win Arizona team and a four win Green Bay team. Sure. So when you kind of think about that, though, you're going into the week with a very rare high-class Thursday night game that, for the most part, actually kind of lived up to the hype for once. Well, and when was the last time I had a good Thursday night? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I hate Thursday night football as a whole, and, and you saw a prime, prime examples of why the Thursday night game is awful because the injuries that can happen. And granted, that can happen in any game. But just coming on short rest, I, I don't like that aspect of it. Well, and even the matchups really suck. Like, who do we have this week? Isn't it like the Jets and Colts, I think, or something like that? Like Something probably terrible. Just a dumpster fire of a game that no one cares about. But so you, you go from just an excellent, like I said, just the class of the NFL at this point, technic- on paper, right. to the best teams in the game. And then you go to... Sunday was awful. I I did not enjoy almost other side from that Buck Saints game was really the only game truly probably worth watching this weekend. Your boy Baker blew it, I kinda saw. He did. I not a great game for him either. Just like I said, just it wasn't good football anywhere across the board. Speaking of not good football again, this can so currently on in the studio we have Kansas City, New York. Yeah. Both of these teams look like straight ass. Yeah, it's Jets Colts, by the way, for Thursday Night Football. <sighs> Imagine that. Imagine looking at the schedule like, hey, we're going to put the Jets on Thursday night. And it's a 10.5 point spread for, in, for with Indy favored right now. Doesn't oh. that bother you just a little bit? Like, Give me the Jets to cover that. Though. I'm kind of thinking that too. But just as a whole, I mean, you have Carson Wentz throwing a pick six at the one yard line. That game somehow gets to overtime thanks to Jonathan Taylor. Basically solely Jonathan Taylor and the okay defense that is the Indianapolis Colts defense. They're very aggressively average. Yeah. You've got the Bengals losing to the Jets. Which I don't even know if that's possible, too. I think the Bengals are a pretty good team this year. You've got, I'm trying to think, the Lions, and we talked about this more later in the episode, but the Lions Eagles. getting boat raced. By the Eagles. I mean, 
at least to this point, the Eagles have sh- or the Lions have shown heart in their losses, and they've been close, knocking at the door. My God, was BSJ bad? Just the the kind of coming out of just awful. How about the dumpster fire with uh, Cleveland Pittsburgh? I didn't see any of that. I saw a little bit of that game. Didn't miss much. The kicker got jacked up. That was about the only. I saw thing. we got the Broncos who started off three and zero. I couldn't even tell you who they played yesterday, but. Do they have a bye week this week? I don't even know. It wasn't they worth won watching. Yesterday, didn't they? I don't know. Like I said, there wasn't a game that like I just sat here and need to see. And then the even if they did win, they go. I mean, great. The Rams are you know red hot too, but they go and trade for Von Miller, so that gets makes the NFL a little bit more interesting, but takes away from a decent team in the Broncos, I guess. Kind of. They beat Washington by seven points. Okay. So what's that put them at? Four and three? Four and four? Four and four, I believe. Yeah, so their first win since since their three and all start. Just as a whole, and then you you end your primetime game with Minnesota Dallas. Oh, I know. And say what you will. But there's not that much of a difference between Dallas's backup and Minnesota starter. No. And it was a low-scoring game that somehow baseball was, um, in my opinion, was better than. I know you probably wouldn't say the same, but you could make the argument was better. Oh, I cared 0% about um, Minnesota-Dallas. The Vikings are on, I don't care, and the Cowboys are on, I definitely don't care. Yeah. So you had that game. You have the Chiefs-Giants for some reason. I mean, I'm sure they have to play because it's how the divisions line up this year, but barf. Just I, There wasn't a game outside like, so that Saints-Bucks game outside of the Packer game. And I'm, I'm usually a fan of, of NFL as a whole. I, you know, I get really involved in fantasy football. There, I, I just couldn't this weekend. No, me neither. I only really care about NASCAR on Sunday and... And even, I mean, the NBA... Is that another interception? I think they ruled it incomplete. But even the NBA was the NBA has been awful so far. There's not really a true, I mean, standard. The Bulls are pretty good right now, I guess. But they're not going to win a title. No. Not yet, anyway. I do think that's incomplete. Look at the replay here. You're lucky, Shauna. That's definitely incomplete, but... The NBA has been garbage. I mean, there's really... Even college football, for the most part, was pretty quiet on I mean, you had the... Outside of Michigan, Michigan State, right? Yeah. And a a pretty close game of Ohio State-Penn State. So good for the Big Ten, I suppose. You know, like that's really been kind of it. There wasn't really any upsets I can think of. There wasn't any, you know, real shuffling up outside of the Big Ten. Uh, the Badgers moved up to what twenty seven, seven rankings, something like that. Yeah, 30th. so not in an official ranking yet, but receiving votes. I I thought they were probably going to get in, but didn't this week. So it is what it is. I don't think they really deserve to be in. Do you? We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So with that, that was my nuggies, and then also I'm going to give like a half nugget myself. Justin put this into the universe, and I'm some sort of jinx. Last week and last week during the week, I was talking to my buddy Sean about 
fantasy football and just, you know, we talked about last week about how Justin and I are just having a rough fantasy football seasons in all, almost all of our leagues except one for me. And I, you know, I had joked about in the draft process, because I picked number one in two of my three leagues. And I know no one's going to care about this, but it just has to be said. And I drafted Christian McCaffrey, which you kind of have to do. No, you don't. But you really can't bank on him being healthy at this point. And I said, you know, what if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt? And everyone's like, you got to take Christian McCaffrey if he's there. But really, every top 10 pick has gotten hurt this year. Devon Dabbs had to miss a game for COVID and has had a couple. I mean, he hasn't been the touchdown machine that he usually is, but that, that is what it is. That'll come. You look at Delvin Cook, he's missed games. You look at Saquon Barkley, he's missed games. And you just kind of go down the line. And then Sean pointed out, except for Derrick Henry. And we bring that conversation up. And once you know who broke their foot and is missing six to ten weeks, Derrick Henry. Henry. Speaking of Derrick Henry, um, if you are currently playing in the Rupert Wisconsin Fantasy Football League, Jordan Fifield is looking for some moves. Yeah. So... Go scavenge through Jordan's team. And For see. Our half of our listeners that are, are in that league, check it out. Check him out. Hit him up. You're in the group chat. He's looking for it. He's looking for some help. Shout out to you, Fife. So, Ramsey, you're in the of the week. NASCAR as a whole. I'm, I'm surprised to hear this, but I'm not. I know we talked about this, so I'm kind of prepared for this, but there, let's go. There's a lot of bad looks coming off of Sunday's Martinsville race. Um, Denny Hamlin... Why, why don't you paint us a picture of what happened first, and let's break it down. So, Denny Hamlin and Alex Bowman are obviously running for the lead with about, what? Six to go. Yeah, for the last about 25 laps. They've been running basically side by side. Alex Bowman's a little bit faster. Denny Hamlin's a little bit better off of the corners. So, they're running basically side by side. Alex Bowman gets a little bit loose. And bumps up into Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin puts her on the wall. Denny Hamlin ends up finishing 24th. Alex Bowman goes on to win the race. As Alex Bowman is celebrating, Denny Hamlin comes driving up to him, bumps into his car, and it's just a really bad look for a team owner in NASCAR. And it's just a bad look for NASCAR as a whole, especially coming off the... Massive success that F1 had at Circle of the Americas over the week that I was gone. Um, F1, for anyone that doesn't really pay attention, sold out Circle of the Americas um, two of the three days that weekend. And it kind of made waves in NASCAR's universe because of how much more success F1 had at Circle of the Americas than NASCAR did. Or even that F1 had 140,000 fans there and NASCAR had 40,000 at Kansas the same week. So on a week that NASCAR just needed it to be a good week of publicity, you have all this mess coming out of Martinsville from some old drivers that just are upset that, in my opinion, some of their success is waning due to the fact that there's some really talented young drivers in the sport right now. And you have these old guys who are complaining about stuff that they've also done in the past. Like Kyle Busch complaining about drivers being super aggressive. And Denny Hamlin complaining about getting dumped. Which, you have the right to be mad if you get dumped going for a win. However... What happened next is bad. You can't just go and call drivers a hack 
especially when you were probably employing one of the worst main drivers in the sport. And, you know, the part you really mentioned is what happened after the race. And this is the part that baffles me with NASCAR. And, and really, I, I want to say I can get it in some aspects because there's, there's, if you do this right, there's positivity. So we talk about, you know, the actual what happened in the race. And after the race ends, Alex Bowman gets his fourth one of the season, more than Denny Hamlin has in the season, which, whatever, it is what it is. But then he goes to start just, you know, post-race celebration, whips and burnouts for the fans, have a good night, you know, whatever. And Denny Hamlin comes, bumps him once, gets in front of his car, and then bumps him again. It just... You can't be doing that. Like, that's such a bad look. It's such a bad look for a driver who's been doing it for so long and for a driver who is going to go race for a championship on Sunday. The win didn't matter. No, not Denny Hamlin. You just had to... And really, even him getting turned didn't really matter. Right. Sure, you made it closer to the cut line, but you were still eight points above. You were third. And in all fairness, I mean, it's not like that's not expected at Bristol. Or Martinsville. Martinsville. I'm sorry. Either one, for that matter. You, that's part of short track racing. And the fact that Denny Hamlin gets all in arms about this, when he did the same exact thing to Chase Elliott back in 2017, when Chase Elliott was leading the race and Denny Hamlin puts him on the wall. Mm-hmm. You, have, you don't have the room to be able to just go and call people a hack after a race for something that, in my opinion, was an accident. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Bowman raced him clean. I don't think Alex Bowman intended to wreck Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin kind of comes on Twitter after the fact and says, oh, you don't see all the work that I put in. You don't see all the effort. I don't really care about anyone's feelings about how I felt after the race. And it's just like, Denny, you need to just stop talking and go focus on winning a championship. Because you're, in my opinion, you're kind of a hack too. I mean, You've been in the sport for how long, and you have found every single way to choke away championships. Doesn't mm-hmm. that make you just as much of a hack as Alex Bowman? And here's my problem with, and with NASCAR as a whole, and this is probably where I get in the noogie. So you talk about, I mean, you have such a big emphasis on driver safety. And rightfully so. It's a very dangerous sport. But you have a big emphasis on driver safety, and you let Denny Hamlin go and do what he did. I mean, the fact that no one got hurt out of that is really good. But that's like your main thing that NASCAR social media has run with for the last 24 hours. On the counter side of it, you have two guys who missed playoff spots but were racing for a win to have to lock themselves in, in Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski dumps Kyle Busch after the race ends, by the way. This isn't even during the race. He, they made contact coming out of turn four. And you talk about, you know, you look at that race and and Bush needed the win. He still ends up finishing second place, misses the playoff by, I think, three points. Something like that, two or three. And then you look at after the race, so then they kind of, you know, they kind of take their cool down lap, and Kozlowski dumps Bush again. This time for no reason. Race is over, is what it is. And. You know, NASCAR, I was, you know, then they focus on, because then the Denny Hamlin stuff happens. Then they go, they interview Alex Bowman while the guys get out of their, you know, all the other drivers get out of their cars. 
Then you interview Denny Hamlin. He says what he says. Credit to Alex Bowman, by the way. He's, you know, we talked about Chase Elliott making a special shirt. Alex Bowman's website made a shirt that just says Hacks ABR Racing. I know, and it, like I, I think it's funny that those guys are going to make money off two old guys basically shaking their fist in a cloud. Yeah, and getting off my lawn, guys. Like that's in. Yeah, it's just uh it's in all reality, it's just a very poor look for NASCAR. That and it's not a sport that can really afford too many poor looks. Not right now, and especially when Chase Elliott was kind of talking about it two weeks ago where he's like, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with, there's an F1 series on Netflix, the name's escaping me right now, but it's basically about showing how intense F1 is. Mm-hmm. And the show on NASCAR that Netflix has has Kevin James in it as a pit crew. Like, Ooh. you know, Ooh. we have... NASCAR has that reputation of... Aw, shucks. Yeah, a bunch of good old boys drinking beer where F1 has prestige and the world's best, which, in my opinion, some of the world's best drivers are in NASCAR right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just being portrayed badly. And then when you have people like Denny Hamlin who go on a major rant after a race... And gets booed at what essentially is one of his home tracks. Yeah. The whole crowd turns on him. It's just a bad look. And it's just not, it's just, it disappoints me to see that, that that's what. Um, well, and here's what gets me. And, and I present all that information to point out that you look at, like I said, what, what Denny Hamlin did. And really, I mean, Denny Hamlin's not always this outspoken to this aspect anyway. So it's kind of a, I'm not going to say a fluke for him because it's not a fluke either. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of more of a, it's not the standard per se. Then you get Kyle Busch, who in his TV interview didn't really say much. He more focused on not making the playoffs, but kind of is what it is. And then you look at, I don't know what he said afterwards, but now NASCAR's making him take sensitivity training. And when he's the one that got dumped. And granted, like I said, Kyle Busch is, you know, he's, he's Kyle Busch. There's no really other way to... To say it, he is hot-headed. He's very vocal. But he's the one of everything that happened yesterday, he's the one that you take away as needing the sensitivity training and, and being the bad guy. Maybe, maybe, but maybe it's NASCAR's wrong. Maybe we shouldn't be putting mics in guys' face right after they get out of the car. And I get that's part of it. But even the NFL now doesn't, after the Richard Sherman stuff, doesn't do direct on-field interviews like that directly after the game finishes. Right. Maybe NASCAR should do the same thing and do the winner's take and then let everyone else do media after the cool-down. Cool and that's, like I said, especially NASCAR with where you are at with perception of your sport and even, like, like I said, in my opinion, this is a really bad publicity week for NASCAR. Yeah. Just maybe it's time that we... Rethink how we do our media right after races. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's really something to think about. So that's that's kind of like I said. I would probably give a nugget to NASCAR too, and really to Denny Hamlin as well. I just, like I said, I I've always kind of liked Denny Hamlin. I try, and every time I start liking Denny Hamlin a little bit more, he does dumb shit like that, and it's yeah. like that's why I don't like you. Like you need to stop, just stop talking, and especially you're an owner now. Mm-hmm. Like. If Kyle Busch does that, that's kind of on brand for Kyle Busch. 
Right. But now, Denny Hamlin, you're representing the sport at an ownership level. You can't have mental meltdowns like that. Like, that's unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we get in kind of our bones of our episode, if you will. Start off with what the buck. Talk, just quick look at the bucks. I mean, I kind of dumped on the NBA earlier, and rightfully so. The NBA is so hard to watch right now. And, yeah, and you once you get kind of past that initial, here's the start of the season, you know, it's back. Bucks are three and four right now. They lost last night to the Jazz. They lost, actually, they lost the three straight here now. The Spurs, the Timberwolves. Not a good trip to the West for the Bucks. They'll come. Uh, they'll have one more game on the road tomorrow night, so Tuesday uh, release day. I guess the Pistons one and five, so that hopefully gets them back to five hundred. Then they're back at home to take on the Knicks on ESPN on Friday night, which again, it just like I said. Has such a hard time focusing, so I kind of hope the segment would make me care more. This week it didn't. Just it's regular season, early regular season basketball. And that's really all it is. You just got to wait about, what, six to eight weeks, and it should be a lot better. You'd think so. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, that's what I say. You don't seem overly confident with that here. I really don't. I guess I, I can't really get into basketball until after college basketball is done. To the NBA. Like, I'll watch your Christmas Day games. Like, that's, I mean, those are primetime games and stars come out. I'll watch a little bit of the All-Star weekend. But after that, it's kind of curtains till till after NCAA is done. That's fair. So, with that said, instead of mentioning the NCAA, usually Justin would talk about the Badger Report, and he'd probably have some breakdown, the X's and O's. And Ramsey and I would sit here and listen. Justin's not here, and Eric and Ramsey made a trip to Madison this weekend and had quite the experience, I would say. So I've never been to a Badger game. That was my first Badger game. I've been to one. Shauna had not been to one either, so Shauna came with us too. I, it was a wonderful experience. Like That was probably one of my favorite sporting experiences I think I've been to. Yeah, I so... I say this to everybody I meet ever since I went to the one a couple years ago, and this weekend just really reaffirmed that. Madison, Wisconsin is one of the best places to go for a, a game. You pick any sport, you pick any, you know, any sports experience, Madison, Wisconsin is right there with it. I'd have to agree. And, I mean, this is something, I mean, we are so blessed in this state. We have the Packers who for most of our lifetime, have been Super Bowl contenders in some way, shape, or form. Minus probably about five seasons in total in our lifetime. Yeah. We look at the Brewers, who since really about 2007, so most of our time watching sports, and I know you're not a baseball guy, but for all intents and purposes, have been pretty good with the exception of a few years. You look at the Bucks, who just came off a championship, who've been building something since probably about 2008, finally came to yeah. fruition. But there's been excitement. You look at, you know, we talked earlier this summer about, you know, how great Road of America was, or Road of America was, um, for the sport of NASCAR, and how that's going to probably become a regular thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome to see. Madison, Wisconsin tops all of that. They really do. They, it's such a different just atmosphere that. And I think Shauna said this, and, I, I, and I'm going to quote her on this, is. 
you get when you go to these games and you go to Packer games and Ramsey. I mean, kind of Packer games are a little bit spoiled for us ever since that playoff that Seahawks game. Yeah, and you can kind of recreate that, and you can get some bigger games, and you can go to those games. But you go to Packer games. There's a lot of people who don't care. There's people who are just there to say that they went to a Packer game, not you know huge sport fans of the sport. Which really kind of baffles me, considering how much money it is to go to a Packer game. But they're there for the atmosphere. They're there for the you know the the tradition, the 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 likes, the clicks, whatever. You go to Madison, Wisconsin. You get so many passionate people. I mean, you have the people, the gentleman sitting in front of us, probably late forties, early fifties, mid fifties, something like that, yeah. who are sitting there. And we sat in section for anybody who knows Camp Randall's that we were section Q. Right next to the the student section, ten yard line on the Iowa on the Iowa sideline, you've got guys who are in their fifties cheering along with the student section, getting into it, doing every cheer that the student section does, talking Badgers, talking you know, knowing the game of football, talking about the game of football, yeah. very you know, very intelligently, very intelligently, not some drunken slav, and that's partially because they don't have beer in Camp Randall, which it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy, but also probably for the best too. You know, Ramsey and I would probably have died if they did. We had to drink before the game starts, which we also did. We took, you know, we partake um, in the pregame ritual of getting as many beers as you can rationally get in. Before you go into the game, and then you take that walk to Camp Randall Stadium, and there's red and white everywhere. Perfect balance, of red and white too. And that's what kind of I was about to say. Like, surprisingly, like if you looked around the stadium, you looked and like, yeah, that's the right amount of red and white. Yeah. Mostly red, a little bit of white speckled in. Looks right. You have over eighty thousand people going nuts. The whole, I mean, aside from that one little section in the top upper column that's right in the sun. Yeah. Camp Randall sold out. Credible game. The Badgers defense, and I, I said this to a guy at work today. It doesn't make sense, but the Badgers defense is better in person than they are on TV, and they're incredible on TV. They're dominating. Like, they dominate every facet of football. They're so fast. The way they get to the ball, their shifts, their everything. Pre-snap reads. Pre-snap the... reads. Even the way that they cover motion. Yeah. No. And decide who's going to come, who's going to blitz. That's a uh, lot of uh, Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard is incredible. And, and so that whole defense, I mean, everyone points to Chanel, rightfully so. The guy is Dodd. I think Mark Schler said this weekend because he was covering the game, he's the best linebacker he's ever seen. He's really good. And that's coming from guys, you know, we look at a school at the University of Wisconsin, you look at T.J. Watt. You look at J.J. Watt. You look at, in a lesser you know, stance, Andrew Van Ginkle. You look at, and these are guys playing in the NFL right now. you got Leon Edwards. You've got Vince Beagle. Vince Beagle. You've got Chris Borland from when he was playing. Yep. This guy is probably the closest comparison is probably TJ Watt. Just the just size a, and the speed. He's, he was the fastest player on the field. Playing the fastest. Playing the fastest. Fastest yeah. play speed. You've got 
other linebacker. I mean, Noah Burks on one possession had a tackle for a loss and two sacks in one possession. That kind of puts away the game. Right. And wow. The game was pretty much wild put, put away before that. Probably. Score-wise, sure. But just it gives it that finality. It capped off the game and really was like really the last shot Iowa probably had it even making a a false hope rally. Right. And snuffed it out. And it just like I said, just incredible to watch, incredibly a part of. And then student section goes rushes the field and fans rush the field. Now, as you saw on the Facebook page, Ramsey, Sean and I did participate in the storm the, the rushing of the field for the presentation of the Heartland Trophy and, and the celebration with the guys. In retrospect, Justin put this in our group. His, his contribution to the Badgers, aside from just saying what a great game we had to go to, was that they probably shouldn't have rushed the field. And I don't entirely disagree with that. That is a team that you were supposed to be better than this year, that you, a game that you were favored in to win. But you still knocked off a top 10 school, unranked. See, I've kind of been thinking uh, since Saturday. Mm-hmm. I've kind of been thinking about qualifications to actually storm the field. Okay. I think number one, you have to be an underdog at home. Yep. Obviously. Yep. The Badgers were not an underdog at home. Yep. You have to beat a top five ranked team. Yep. And it cannot be a blowout. I'm okay with it being a blowout. You can't storm the field on a blowout, though. That, and that's. If that's, you can check off the other two boxes. So let's look at the game that they had. The last time that I can memorably think that they stormed the field. It was 2010, if I, if I remember that correctly. 2010, the win against Ohio State. Ohio State was, depending on which poll you're looking at, 2-3-1, kind of in that top. You know, they were national championship favorites. That's the game David Gilreath takes the opening kick to the house. Primetime TV. And the Badgers just dominate from there. I'm fine with that. Okay, so then you have me two of the three. I think you have to be all, Yeah, I'll give you... I even say if it's two out of three, the blowout one is the one I kind of question. And yes, they won 27-7. to seven. It probably should have been more. But at the same time, like it should not have been. We didn't even talk about the bad, though. What in the fuck is going on with the batter's offense? That should be dumpster fire of the year worthy. I really don't know. And I, I looked at you in the first quarter, right? Graham Mertz walks on the field. Yep. I watch him walk on the field, and I go, that looks like an NFL quarterback. You did. And it, just from there, it was downhill. Just piles of dog shit. Like, I don't even think it was that. So I've been putting some work into this and some thinking of this, too. Graham Mertz, for all intents and purposes, had a great first half. He was good Graham Mertz. He was making his reads. He was getting first downs. I'm going to say first half. He had a good few drives. Sure. But the reads were happening. He was doing good. On probably about three of those possessions. But like I said, making first downs, keeping the offense moving, keeping the defense honest, allowing the offense to spread the ball and run the ball. Like I said, he looks like a five-star recruit that is a talented quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, judgment and reading the field, not Graham Mertz's strong suits. 
And that's not necessarily something I would want to say about my quarterback. I kind of, and I, I don't want to say I wish Justin was here because I, I disagree, but I kind of wish Justin was here to kind of give it more of a coach perspective because I've been kind of thinking, Graham Mertz has the arm talent. We know that he does. But that's what I'm saying. He doesn't see the field well, and his judgment is questionable at best. And, that's, and I'm, I'm glad you say that because my biggest question with Graham Mertz is to what degree is it him not seeing the field and what degree is it that the playbook and the formations and the spots he's put in, in a way, set him up to fail? So I would say this, and when, you're in a, when you go to a game in person and then you retroactively try to talk about it, it's pretty hard because you really have only one vantage angle of everything. Right. So I'm going to say this. It might not be 100% accurate, and I apologize if it's not. But I can remember on a few drives where he never made a second read. That's true. He forced the ball to his first read. And I think, credit to what you were saying, I don't know how much of that is coaching versus coaching and scheme versus him not reading the field. Mm-hmm. But I would say it was more of him not reading the field correctly to get to the second read versus anything else. And it's just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I really want to see what, what Justin's breakdown of it would be. I do see some elements of... Because you, you see flashes of the greatness, too. You see the growth. Yeah, you do. But how much of it is, okay, he doesn't have a competent quarterback coach. He doesn't have a... Comp, like, the Wisconsin Badgers have never been great at developing quarterbacks. The one quarterback that they really had kind of turn into something was Russell Wilson. And you can't tell me that was because of his time at Wisconsin. Yeah, he, he was, was developed coming in. Right. So how much is that is of a lack of Paul Christ actually developing this quarterback who's supposed to be this four-star recruit that really didn't match the style of offense that you had played already? Well, on top of that, the offensive decision-making that the Badgers have, there was three or four times where I'm looking like, what are we doing on offense? Like the play calling, and that's the other thing. The makes play calling zero sense sometimes. Every passing play seemed the same play. It was crossing routes, in routes, and an out route. It seems very and one guy on a fly route. It's predictable. It's I don't know. I I watch the play calling and specifically, especially after what half, it really mm-hmm. seemed to get bad. Yeah. And it's like, there's no, it's what you see is what you get. There's no other, there's no second gear. It's just first gear and it's slow and it's boring and and it's shit. The other thing that kind of baffles me, and this is something that's, Wisconsin has done for so well for so long. The pre-snap motion, the use the jet sweep, Mm -hmm. the use of just motion as a whole. You know, you see a lot with Matt LaFleur right now, how important motion is to the offense. And that's gone right now. So I just I don't know if it's just that they don't have the guys that do it. And can someone explain to me too why Paul Christ isn't on the hot seat? I'm guessing, and I kind of thought about this today. We talked about this on the way home from the Madison. The Badgers are probably going to go nine and three because they realistically should win out. They'll go nine and three. They'll get like the Outback Bowl or some. Probably third tier bowl. They won't be in the playoffs. They won't get like a New Year's Six bowl, but they'll be probably in those one of those mid bowls from there. 
So like that third kind of sure, either New Year's Day bowl or New Year's Eve, whatever. They'll probably win it. They'll go ten and four, and then the cycle starts all over again. We're talking about okay, you know, another great defense, another year of running backs getting older and getting more mature and physically developed. Braylon Allen, the seventeen-year-old from Fond du Lac, is a stud. He's a big dude who is seventeen years old. Could not party after the game on State Street because he's seventeen years old. I don't even know how he lives on campus because he can't live on his own legally. But just can't go drink, can't have other extracurriculars. He probably just had to sit in his room and play Xbox. I know that's probably not what he did, but on paper he was supposed to. But he looks like an NFL player, though, too. Oh, yeah. Without he looks doubt. like an NFL running back. Without a doubt. So that's our badge report. Me and Ramsey, like I said, we did storm the field. If you're there, you have to, right? Like, how many times are you going to get to go onto a field, dap up? Dudes who just won a massive football game with a trophy in their hand. And have no no structure. We could literally walk wherever we wanted. Yeah, we did. We walked across the whole entire yeah. field. We went from our seats and our gate at the 10-yard line. To the complete opposite side of the field. Complete zone. opposite side of the field in the end zone. We walked through the end zone. You don't get that. Not in that kind of a venue anyway. Not that historical of a venue. No. So we jumped around. We sang uh, Buttercup. We really did the whole Wisconsin Badger experience. Great time. Just an excellent and perfect weather for it, too. Perfect weather. It was 55 degrees. Just a little too probably. I'd say it was probably a little too much sun for me. I got a little bit of sunburn. But you didn't bring sunglasses. That's on me. I probably My cheeks would have still got burned, but... You sure brought glasses? Probably. That's on me. But aside from that, perfect football day, cold beer, Badgers win. On to Rutgers. Who? Exactly. They have football? Apparently. So with that... What do their uniforms look like? Not good. Ooh. Really? Not good. Not good. What are the Scarlet Knights, aren't they? Yeah, they should be good. They should be really good. They're not. Oh. So before we get into our big part of the episode here, just a couple quick uh, housekeeping notes. We got Ramsey's radar. Ramsey, I'm sure... I'm going to make you make a prediction. We've got Championship 4 race this weekend. Ramsey's radar, what do you got? I think it's going to be Chase Elliott. Okay. Chase Elliott all season has been the most consistent. Well, I shouldn't say consistent, but Chase Elliott has had very consistent runs, and Chase Elliott is really good at Phoenix. Okay. Like his average finish at Phoenix is like 10.6, mm-hmm. and he had a DNF his rookie year there. So I think it's going to be Chase Elliott. I, for some reason, I, this entire time I've thought Kyle Larson's going to have this perfect season and it's not going to end the way he wants. Mm-hmm. I think Danny Hamlin's preoccupied and I don't think Martin Truex Jr. is fast enough this year. I'm going to take, so you're it's, taking it Chase Elliott. It should be Kyle Larson. And I will say that, and I feel like I can't pick Kyle Larson because... It just doesn't seem to work out that way in NASCAR lately. No, and that's kind of ridiculous in and of itself, the fact that the champion is not the best driver. I mean, you have to get in that position, but it comes down to one race. Where are you finishing one race? And like I said, lately, the last few seasons, it's not been the best driver winning the championship. Yeah. It's been the second, third, or fourth guy. Mm -hmm. And that's not anything to take away from Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott for that matter. 
I, I just, I, for some reason, I have a hard time seeing Kyle Larson actually pulling it out. And I know it's probably dumb of me because he's won literally everything. And, and if he hasn't won, he's been a runner-up. Right. I just, for some reason, I think Chase Elliott's going to have some from this weekend that, and no one's talking about him. That usually seems to be also one of the keys that no one talks about you going into championship weekend. I still hate the fact. I, I mean, I, I can only say that till I'm blue in the face. I'm going to pick Kyle Larson because I think, I think Bowman, and I know NASCAR doesn't want this to happen, but I think they also kind of, I think they need to get Denny Hamlin out of the race somehow. Because I don't think they want him to be the champion, especially after how this weekend played out. I would not be surprised if Alex Bowman dumps him. I would be. Just for how big the stage is. And traditionally speaking, the final race, since they went to the final four format, those guys, traditionally speaking, have been left alone pretty much. That's not to say there hasn't been issues with other people. That's not to say there hasn't been... What a time for it, Ramsey. What a time for it. I know. I would, lo- I would love that. Because what does Bowman have to lose? I mean, he's not going to lose his ride, especially from HMS, where he's got two guys riding for a championship this weekend. I mean, it only helps their cause. I, I, no I, one's going to not be... You know, NASCAR might slap him on the wrist a little bit, but... I no think they're fans kind of, gonna be against him. No at that fans point. gonna be against it. You've got just kind of the perfect storm for it to happen. I don't think I. I don't even know if I would say Alex Bowman's the kind of guy to do that. But raced any hard, and even sometimes that happens when you just race hard. Accidents do happen, mm-hmm. and could you not see that happening, especially with how inconsistent Alex Bowman's been all season, where Alex Bowman's running. 23rd, Denny Hamlin's lapping the field, and all of a sudden... Gets a little loose. Denny comes up into Alex Bowman, Alex Bowman races him hard. One of them gets a little loose, takes each other both out. I'm not saying I'm rooting for that to happen. I am. I, I hope that happens. Yeah, I kind of do, too. I kind of do, too. Because I think, and I, like I said, I think there's part of NASCAR that wants that to happen in the aspect that they probably don't want him to win a championship, especially after last weekend. They've been hyping all this intensity so much, I guess in the last 24 hours. Would Denny Hamlin retire at that point? I don't think so. Sure? I really don't think so. And I think for NAS, and we talked about this pre-episode, NASCAR needs Kyle Larson to win tomorrow, or on Sunday. NASCAR needs Kyle Larson. They need him to be the champion. You could probably get away with Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is a big enough name that going back-to-back is probably one of those things that's like, okay, that's cool. I think they need Kyle Larson. I I don't see any way around it. Because Denny Hamlin, people are going to be pissed off. They're going to point to how he didn't get probably any disciplinary action out of the shit show he caused at Martinsville. There's people out there, and I know that NASCAR's not going to do this, there's a lot of people out there saying that he shouldn't even be in the championship four this weekend. Either it should be a championship three, or they should bump him, dock him points, and put Kyle or Kyle Busch in. I don't disagree. I think that the amount of embarrassment that he caused is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. so is it going to happen? Probably not. But that's there's people out there already. You know, they're put into that already. So you look at that aspect of it. You look at. Martin Truex Jr., who just, he's never the sexy name. He's a hell of a driver, but he's not sexy for NASCAR. 
Chase Elliott would be, you know, he's probably the second person that you'd probably want to win, you know, repeating. He's Bill Elliott's kid. The story writes itself. But if you want NASCAR to be taken seriously and you needed to kind of bounce back, especially after how last week went, mm-hmm. and really, I mean, the kind of just the perception of NASCAR, like you said, Kevin James series versus intense F1, you need the guy who's won nine, could win ten races to be the champion. And who's finished runner-up in almost half the other races. I think Justin pointed out last weekend that Kyle Larson has either won or finished second in just about half of NASCAR races this year. Which, I mean, like I said, it happens. It's just, it's just weird. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird paradox in NASCAR that just it seems like all the pressure is going to be on Kyle Larson, and everyone else is playing with house money. Yeah. So with that, we do have some stuff to talk about here. We have a guest coming up. We'll get to that here in a second. It's a guy that I've worked for for a long time, worked with for a long time. I'm glad I finally have an outlet to kind of thank him in that aspect, even uh, you know, kind of show my appreciation for that. So, Ramsey, this show sucks. However, we're about to do something that won't suck. Oh, we have someone else coming on? We do. And this interview is sponsored by Melton Designs. Showcase your special day with a card book by Melton Designs. People often stow away their cards from their big day and forget all about them. But not here. Mel makes a book and a framed keepsake from your special day, whether it be wedding, baby shower, birthdays, you name it. It's there. Check out Mel Tom's Designs on Instagram and Etsy to get yours. Showcase something special. We're going to showcase something special. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the founder of FlurrySports.com. Or FlurrySports.org. My bad. Flurry Sports. He is a Packers journalist. He's an offensive line coach. He writes for Osmo.com, Betway USA, the Game Day NFL. He's on the Flurry Sports Pod and Lombardi Sweep. What doesn't he? He probably knows more football than we've forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Bruner. Zach, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you two doing? Good. Pretty good. Coming off of a big football weekend. Lots to talk about. Lots of to really break down. And since in the days that have come since that Packers win. Wide open NFC North, and somehow Green Bay Packers are the number one seed right now. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the NFC North, it seems like it's all but wrapped up. The Packers have more wins than the rest of the division combined. And it seems like a long time since Thursday. Like After Thursday, the Packers were the class of the NFC. Everyone's talking about the Packers. Then the Cowboys get a win. Then the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. Then the Rams trade for Von Miller. Now the Rams are the best team in the NFC. All of a sudden the Packers are third at best. And we just knocked off the last unbeaten team. But uh, whatever, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really, you know, the, the life and times of, of football going on. And as we talk here, Patrick Mahomes, another pick oh. in the end zone, man. I tell <laughs> you, what a, what a year Kansas City's having. They might not be back in the class of the AFC. They probably are, but... For conversation's sake and hot takes, why not? Uh, but no, we sit in here talk about and, and lots to break down. You know, we have the game itself, which Zach, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I you know I pay a lot of attention in, in the radio business and the podcast business for predictions and and things like that from this game. And I swear, man, you were probably the only one kind of on the Packers this last week. What was up mm-hmm. with that? What did you see that none of us saw? 
Well, I mean, the Cardinals, the way to beat the Cardinals and their weakness on defense was clearly the run defense. And uh, I just figured and hoped I would say that Matt LaFleur wouldn't get too cute, just run the football. And uh, bad run defense gets made worse by losing J.J. Watt. And I'm just not a believer in the Cardinals. I've been off them the entire time. I think they're player coached. I think it's uh, large. They're largely led by J.J. Watt and A.J. Green. And all of a sudden now, they don't have J.J. Watt on the field. When J.J. Watt's not playing, he's not really engaged. He saw him on the sideline. He looked largely disinterested. It sort of took the heart away from the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to start to fall apart a little bit now. And the Packers, I mean, they were playing with house money. And when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are down like this, they usually come through. So, uh, yeah, I, I was I was definitely on the Packers. I liked them, and uh, the game sort of played out how I predicted, which is always good to, uh, good to see. You know, I was uh, really impressed with A.J. Dillon overall, and I've been fairly critical of that pick, seeing how um, it's it, – I thought two was high on A.J., but – I think on Thursday night, that's something that you see a... This is why. Yeah, this is why. And it kind of brings a toughness that Green Bay really hasn't had in the past few years of kind of a heavier set running back, just picking up chunks of yards. you know, At will. Yeah, whenever he wanted to. I mean, I think it's still fair to be critical of drafting a running back in the second round, no matter who it is. But it was, it was definitely by far his best game, at least as a runner, I would say. Uh, I've been critical of him in general, just because he's this big, strong guy, and every time he gets hit, his legs stop moving. So he's not a power runner, because he doesn't pick up yards after contact. But he definitely did last game, so hopefully it's a sign for things to come. Because if he's running like this once the temperatures get colder, I mean, that's what makes this Packers team tough to beat. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Zach, before Ramsey here, you talked about the heart and the house money. And I want to talk about something that I wrote about for Flurry Sports, so you can go check that out, a little collaboration work here. But it's something that you started in an exclusive to Flurry Sports, the Aaron Rodgers FU tour. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I mean, I don't want to say how did you come up with it, because you know I'm not that much of a hack of a journalist. But I mean, pretty obvious how you came up with it, but but what's been kind of the, the journey with it and, and everything with that? And I guess your breakdown of, I mean, we haven't talked to you about where you think Aaron Rodgers is at this team mentally. I mean, things are kind of pointing to things really being on the up and up on, on Aaron Rodgers' relationship with the Packers. So what do you think about, just unpack all of that, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think everything was laid out on the table during training camp when he came in. And it was, you know, I'll play for this organization one last time. It's clear you guys don't have any interest in uh, listening to my input. And then all of a sudden they started taking interest in his input. So now I think he's enjoying himself a little bit. They're winning. That always cures everything in general anyway. But things seem to be trending the right direction for Aaron Rodgers wanting to come back. However... I mean, I've seen this story so many times. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers is feeling good. I would love to come back to Green Bay. And then that's when Gutekinds is going to uh, pull the tri trigger on a trade. Are you going to send him out of town immediately? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, his last presser after the Arizona game did 
uh, tug at the heartstrings, I think, a little bit, talking about no matter where you go, even if you leave town, uh, you're always carrying the G, uh, as people love to say. And a lot of Packers reporters and people took that as, see, this guy's fully bought in. He loves the city so much he wants to come back, and he's going to be back. This was a sign of things repairing. And I thought the exact opposite. I don't know. Uh, it sounded like it was almost a, you know, just talking about almost a farewell message to Green Bay is what it, I took it as. Like, you know, even if I leave, even if things don't get repaired at the end of the season, if I leave, this is still home. This is still the team I love. I will always be a Packer, regardless if I'm throwing passes for Mike Tomlin next year. That's kind of how I saw it. See, I don't necessarily know if the Pittsburgh's necessarily a better situation, though. If I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers and looking at the team where we're at right now and looking at Pittsburgh, I don't necessarily know if I would want to go to Pittsburgh and take that issue. Pittsburgh comes with their own bunch of issues. Like, that offensive line isn't near as good. Najee Harris is what he is. And the receiving core is young, talented, but still really young. And that's not really what Aaron Rodgers has ever liked to play with. I mean... I just, I just, I don't necessarily see him leaving at this point, I guess. I don't think it's necessarily up to him. I also think there's a strong chance he retires after this season. I, everyone's talking about this as a farewell tour because he's going to leave. Uh, there's a decent chance he just retires. That's always been my thought, too. If, he, if he's not playing, if he's playing football, it's going to be in Green Bay. But if he's, if this is more of a, do I want to play at all? Or do I not, am I done? Because, I mean, that's. And one thing we try to kind of embody in this show is a lot of the kind of the Pat McAfee quotes. And, and Aaron is at his best on that show. You get a whole lot of, yeah. you know, uncensored Aaron on that show. And that's awesome. But one thing, I mean, he's been very vocal and very open about for that matter is that it wasn't really a, a green or anywhere else but Green Bay. It was Green Bay or nowhere. You know, no football, chill in Hawaii with Miles Teller and, and um not Olivia Munn, but uh, God, or Shailene Woodley, and and just kind of call it. I mean, he's he. I'm sure he wants more Super Bowls, but he's really accomplished so much that aside from more Super Bowls, there's not. You know, it's not like there's an, an, any other personal achievements, I guess, that are within the realm. I mean, he's not going to probably break the passing yards record. Touchdowns is probably out of reach too, but. He still is a legacy guy. He's cerebral, all that jazz. So, anyway, uh, you know, we talk about trades and and tomorrow, but, you know, with release day, be a few hours away from the trade deadline. And and Zach, what are you thinking? Packers trades. I mean, today Matt Lafleur coming out and say that they're being aggressive, trying to find something. Um, that if the right situation happens, they're going to jump on it. Where are you at on that? Yeah, I mean, they're saying the right things, right? Like. They're being aggressive. What's that mean? I don't even know what that means. Um, if they are going all in, they definitely need to be making a move. I see a lot of people teasing and hoping and uh, proposing a Packers trade for a wide receiver, whether that be Odell Beckham or if that's Brandon Cooks. I don't think that makes this offense any better. I don't think that makes this team any better. Brandon Cooks is fine, but Brandon Cooks also can't play anywhere but on turf. So that doesn't help anything either. Um, if the Packers were to go add depth, it needs to be to the defensive side of the ball, and it would be nice for them to get a coverage linebacker. That's what I yeah. thought they were trying to do with Jalen Smith, but then 
what has he played less than 20 total snaps in three games? I mean, they're kind of wasting our time there. I would like for them to trade for a, like a depth linebacker who's capable of playing special teams. Because if we sign another veteran linebacker who's not playing special teams, that means we're just going to put another wide receiver on our kickoff team. And that makes our special teams worse and worse and worse. And uh, that's the part of the game nobody thinks about, including the Packers. And I really wish we could uh, make a, it's not going to be a flashy trade, but if we could trade for a full-time special teamer, that would be fantastic. Well, I mean, that's what New England did for so long with all those dynasties. They had some of the best special teams really ever for that those dynasty stretches of – that's kind of a Belichick thing too of being – Well, that's – I mean, I think – I want to say Harry Sidney pointed this out, and it's something I never really thought of. But your special teams speak to the greatness of the front office. <laughs> and mm-hmm. because that those are your depth guys. Those are your, your two and three – you know, your right. five, six receivers, your – three, four linebackers and, and et cetera. So to have a bad special teams, I mean, Green Bay so loaded at the top in quite a few positions, but how deep are they really? And we, we're, we're on a seven, one end team They're on seven win, you know, seven game win streak here. You know, it's been a lot of next man up, but what's on special teams after that next man up who's now having to play starter minutes when they weren't anticipating that, you know? Well, on top of that, like the Packers philosophy is to build through the draft so much. They give that second, maybe third contract to some guys, but their special teams because of that philosophy often is made up of those first contract guys, those really young rookie first year guys. And uh, these were guys who have never played special teams before. A lot of times they were the stud in high school. They were the stud on their college team. They were getting rest time on kickoff and on kick return. Now they go to the NFL, they're on the, you know, bottom of the totem pole and the Packers are using those guys at special teams. And that's how it's been for decades. And that's why the Packers special teams is always terrible. And then when we make roster moves, we're always uh, sacrificing the special teams guys who are any good. Right now, the only good special teamer on our kickoff team is probably Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, Damn. And Shamar John Charles. He's good too. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. That that's just a kick in the nuts. Yeah, that really is. That one hurts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Actually, to be fair, Equinemius is actually pretty good at kickoff. He's just not a good wide receiver. But <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree yeah, with that, that too. Was, that was the best uh, statement on the show probably in a while. We've, this is episode forty-seven. That's probably the best soundbite we're gonna have on out of forty-seven <laughs> episodes. So thanks, Zach, for there that one. But yeah, so, no problem. You know, just kind of looking ahead here, I, I mean, we're, we could look at the, the NFL season, the Packers season as a whole, but big primetime, well, not actually primetime matchup, but basically should be primetime matchup coming up this week against the Chiefs. And, you know, Justin, our other co-host, isn't here tonight, but, um, you know, one thing we kind of talked about before the Arizona game was Arizona's playing Green Bay at the right time, and Green Bay probably played Arizona at the wrong time, and ended up not working out that way. But you've mm-hmm. got, I mean, we're still... We're a gate, you know. We're still trying to figure out what this Chiefs team is, and as they're playing the New York Football Giants, they're at three and four. Probably end up four and four at the end of the night, barring some catastrophic collapse. But is it fair to say? And I don't want you don't want to overlook the Chiefs ever, but probably the right time to play the Chiefs right now. It, it certainly seems like, and then obviously the schedule on top of it. 
works to our favor. We get extra days to get one less day. But this Chiefs team is a mess. I would expect them to make some moves tomorrow before the deadline. But their defense is no good. So the Packers should have very little trouble running the ball, controlling the clock, moving the chains methodically down the field. But their biggest issue now, uh, the Chiefs on the other side, is they can't protect Patrick Mahomes. They get pressure, or other teams get pressure with just their front line. So I'm critical of this player. But for the Packers to beat the Chiefs, this Chiefs, this needs to be a Rashawn Gary game. Like if Rashawn Gary mm-hmm. is anything, if he gets pressure without the Packers needing to blitz, you know, Kenny Clark's going to do his thing. I think Preston Smith is going to do fine. He's whatever. Whitney Merciless. If Rashawn Gary can wreck the game, the Chiefs have no shot to win this game. It comes down to him in my personal opinion. Zach, are you like happy with any Green Bay Packer? I'm, I'm just curious. I got to ask. I uh, love Aaron Rodgers. Love Devontae Adams. Mercedes Lewis is my dude. Wow, uh, Mercedes Lewis. Kenny Clark, awesome. Um, oh, Devondre Campbell's a stud, too. Thank God. Love Devondre Campbell. The Packers would be nowhere without him. I was going to say, that might be the best pickup in the Gutekunst era. Is that, uh, to this point, that's not that hot so. of a take. I'm still partial no, to no. Billy Turner. That's a solid I love one me too. some Billy Turner. He's good, yeah. Billy Turner's been solid. Devondre Campbell's been next level out of this world. You might yeah. you might be speaking to the only person who has and not me, but the only person who has ever probably bought a Billy Turner jersey outside of Billy Turner's family. And even that's a coin toss. Got one coming. <laughs> Should be here next week, hopefully. I respect it. Give the lineman some love. He is coming off a bad game, but he's had a good year. I'm all about giving linemen love. And Zach, and we talk all and we can talk Packers all day, but Man, what do you got going on? I mean, you're everywhere. Like I read off of the bio just from Twitter, and and I don't even think that did it fair justice. But what do you got all going on? You're so busy in the sport of football. Yeah, I mean, you can see my stuff daily at Flurry Sports or at Osmo or at I'm doing the United States coverage for NFL for Betway Sportsbook, so I do stuff there. Um, yeah, basically the NBA season come on. Uh, came up now. So now I'm doing full-time NFL and NBA DFS daily fantasy sports stuff in sports betting pretty much every single day. So that is what my life has turned into. And then when I get time, I turn in the occasional Packers stuff, but, uh, do you sleep? Yeah, ever? I'm, I'm, yeah, I was not saying. much, not as much as I should. It's been, <laughs> it's been rough Join watching a lot of bad NBA basketball. Oh, yeah. oh, the NBA has been a train wreck this far. And, and we, we talked about that earlier in the show, but my goodness. I, the NBA, and really this, this weekend of NFL football, was not a, aside from that Packer game, I, I had just a hard time focusing yesterday. And I was talking to Ramsey about that before the show. And I'm sure it's a big difference when you got, you know, more than just some daily fantasy sports on the line and, or well, and regular fantasy sports too. But when you, if you are putting some money down on it, I'm sure that makes those games yesterday better. But, how do you focus and how do you like watch games aside without betting at this point? Like, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't get it. Maybe that makes me yeah. a degenerate, but nope. I don't know. No, I think that's fair. And it definitely makes, uh, especially like, you know, the Packers, they play on Thursday. Uh, now you have a full weekend of football. That's almost meaningless for the majority of Packer fans, right? We're just rooting. We're waiting for Sunday night just to see the Vikings lose and, Thank God that happened. Like that's basically what the Sunday was for a lot of people in Wisconsin. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, I had a lot of stuff going Sunday, so I was engaged. But you're not wrong with saying it was a sloppy week of football. It was just bad. It was a bad product on the field. It was a bad product. It was bad schedule. I mean, here we are, Monday Night Football, the game, the supposedly game of the week, even though we know it's not really that anymore. But you've got Giants, Chiefs, three and four and two and five. That's two huge markets, though. Yeah, sure. For ratings wise, I'm sure it's great, but just what a dumpster fire of product this weekend. Just, well, even yeah, I think Dallas and Minnesota last night. Dallas Sunday Minnesota night last night. I mean, really the the best game on paper to me this weekend was probably that Saints Bucks game, and oh. like I mean, it ended up being something worthwhile because of the ending, but that game had no business being that close. No, there's been a lot of blowouts the past couple of weeks too. So it's just turned into unwatchable. Uh, even the li- the Lions usually keep things entertaining at least. And that wasn't even entertaining. So they were not out eating kneecaps. That's that's what happened. They weren't eating kneecaps yesterday. No. I would say about Zero the- grit. Which is funny though, because they've had that pretty much every single game otherwise this season. You know, they've, they've played hard. Just the Eagles come to town and just wheels fall that's off. That's what does it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the <what does> Eagles. <laughs> The Lions overlooked them. <laughs> That's got to be one. I, I honestly can't think, you know, I really can't think of anything else. Uh, we look at, you know, just to kind of turn back to the Packers, we look at, uh, you know, just another bad week of injuries. I mean, Kylan Hill done for the year. Bob Tunyon done for the year. <sighs> and, you know, we, we, we focus so much on, on who's coming back. You know, Devontae Adams should be back by all measures. He hasn't officially been cleared yet to my knowledge, but, uh, today, Lazard and MVS put back on the active roster. Um, lots of stuff kind of breaking down that way, but then you lose a very critical piece of your offense who just seemed to kind of start to get it right in Bob Tunyon. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, and I see a lot of people, too, you know, obviously deadlines tomorrow. So a lot of people are going to be hoping the Packers make a trade for a tight end. I like the talent we got on roster. I don't know. I think DeGuar is more than capable of doing what Tunyon's been doing. Mm-hmm. I think Daphne's a good enough blocker. And, uh, you know, Mercedes Lewis can get more involved in the receiving game, too. One name I want to float out there, though, and no one's talking about him. Can we sign Delaney Walker? He knows oh. the LaFleur system. He's a good blocker. He is so good at football. Just sign him. I forgot. He played in Tennessee with LaFleur, right? Yeah. He had a good season. I think he got hurt, but he was good. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, you look at, you know, we do our prep for the show, and I'm sure you did, you know, you just do the prep in general too, but not a whole lot of love on on his name. You see, like, Evan Ingram around. You see all these guys. I mean, the Packers got, you get lucky once in a while on some of those guys that it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, hope that the change of scenery works out. You see names floating around like Kyle Fuller, who's been awful almost all year. You see guys like, Brandon Cooks, who, like you said, can play on turf, and and Evan Ingram, who kind of is what he is at this point. So, but that is a solid. I didn't even think of that. I didn't one. even do that. Solid, solid name, Zach. And I know uh, he didn't play last year, and he said he didn't want to mess around with like the COVID protocols and stuff, and he was rehabbing anyway, so he just chilled in Florida, racing his boats and stuff. So, if he had the itch to play last year and was just taking a year off. I haven't heard any retirement or I haven't really heard his name floated around since like July or so. I I think he'd be more than willing to come back on a contender. And like I said, he knows the terminology. He knows the system. 
and he gets to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. My only worry is, you know, like I said, he's living in Florida. Does he really want to join Green Bay when it's about to get cold? I don't know. But uh, I think he'd be a really nice addition. Well, and even if we got him at, you know, 70% of what he was in Tennessee, that's all we really need at this point, right? Someone to yeah. have that, you know, goal line presence along with, you know, those open across the middle routes that obviously Matt Florex to run with the tight ends. He was, like, his time in Tennessee was drastically underrated, I think. He was the do-it-all tight end before we see, like, a George Kittle or a Hawkinson now. Like, he does everything. He's a phenomenal blocker, and he is extremely athletic. He could be so good. Yeah, no, that's, that's like you said, one name just very sweeping under the radar that you probably don't have to sign for a whole lot because I know the big issue is salary cap because that's, that's kind of what you run into with trade deadline. And granted, you're getting a lot of these guys at cheaper deals, but for almost any of these deals to go through, for the people that, or for the names that fans would clamor for, I'll put it that way, the names that fans would clamor for, you're going to have to have that other team either eat a chunk of that salary turning into a signing bonus or get somebody who is on a team-friendly enough deal, kind of like almost the Moneyball Brewers way. And there's just not enough of that in the NFL. So you're going to have to really do some some work to figure out a piece. But Delaney Walker is a guy that you don't necessarily have to do that. So that's – damn, I'm – that got me. Honestly, that got me. That is going to be in my brain for the next, like, probably two, three weeks, Delaney Walker. I hope it comes to fruition. Get it out of your brain. Let's get it on the field. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So, Zach – just to kind of wrap up here, we got Packers Chiefs, as mentioned earlier here. Any sort of official prediction this week? I mean, I didn't see. What is it opening what's, up what's for betting-wise? Uh, might still be unlisted because the Chiefs are playing right now. I can check quick, though. Yeah, we're looking to. So whoever finds it first. Uh, Kansas City by two and a half right now. Okay. Over under 55 and a half. 55 and a half. I'd take the under on that for sure. Um, I think the Packers win. Like, I, I think they're more than capable of getting pressure, and if they can just sit on routes, it's going to be tough to stop, obviously, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But if all they got to do is, you know, keep everything in front of them and wait for Patrick Mahomes to make a mistake, which seems to be happening more and more often now, I think Aaron Rodgers can decimate this Chiefs team. So I'll, I'll take the Packers to cover for sure and win that game. I mean, I we're going to be fine. Green Bay finally has a corner that can probably cover Tyreek Hill and Eric Stokes. Not necessarily coverage-wise, but just speed-wise, he can make up for a mistake or two if it come down to it. That's fair. I mean, he, he continues to get himself out of position. Like he's, His speed's almost working against him right now. That's my only worry because Tyreek Hill's a master at getting people turned around. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, why don't we just kind of wrap up? How can the people follow along with you and, and where can they see your work and sometimes my work? Yeah, if you want to read Eric's article, it's on flurrysports.org right now and everything on there. Uh, we have a good team over there producing content on all kinds of sports. You can follow me on Twitter at fantasyflurry. And uh, pretty much anything I do, I'll tweet it out so you can see everything right there on Twitter. But follow Flurry Sports on YouTube and Facebook as well. 
Yeah, awesome stuff, Zach. Any parting thoughts here? Go Pack Go. I love it. Man of Simple Words, drop some knowledge on us. I love it. Thanks so much for coming on, Zach. Thanks, Zach. No problem. Thanks, guys. Once again, thank you, Zach. So glad he decided to come on. Probably the best part of our show is our interviews. Is our interviews yeah. <laughs> when other people come in to do our show, without a doubt. And and like I said, I'm really glad you know that he. I think I kind of allude to it in the interview, and I, I you know, truthfully, just not be able to remember, even though it just happened. But I decided to message him after the game because I really wanted to promote. I wrote wrote my article that I did, and you can see it on Facebook. You can see it on FlurrySports.org. I wrote it kind of based on that shirt. Like, literally, I wrote an article based on a T-shirt that he made. The FU Tour for Aaron Rodgers. Is, you know, it's a picture of Aaron Rodgers on the front. The back has the schedule for the year. But just it kind of came to me. I'm like, okay, you know, this is kind of that signature win and really something we don't talk about. But I'm glad, you know, kind of get talked about with you. Is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the 49ers win was probably the biggest win of Matt LaFleur's tenure to this point. Right. And I think this win recover or beats that even. Biggest regular season win for sure. It's up there anyway. I think it's up there just for the fact of the Green Bay Packers played absolutely perfect in a position that they were not supposed to play absolutely perfect. And that I think that really sums it up the best. I don't know if you could have asked anything more from Green Bay than what they did on Thursday. And, and they should have won by more. See, I think I disagree with that. I, I truly believe that Arizona is probably the better team on Thursday. They're just not as disciplined. I think Matt LaFleur outcoached Cliff Leansbury. I think Green Bay's run. Well, here's, here's what I mean by that. I, I allude to this throughout. You look at that for the second drive. They kick the field goal instead. They, start, they had the ball first and goal at the three or something like that. They kicked that field goal instead. Or no, it was after the, the punt recovery. First and goal at three after the punt recovery. They settle for a field goal, leave four points on the board. Yeah, but that's not leaving four points on the board. They couldn't get in the end zone. Like that's, that's partially Matt LaFleur, though. That's partially that's, that's not partially, using your, your running back. You passed three straight times. also partially that Arizona stopped your offense. Like that's, I, I don't think it's fair to go, well, we should have scored more points. We didn't. And if we want to get into that, Arizona shouldn't have had two interceptions. I mean, that one was off the guy's hands. I suppose. So, I mean, I, I truly think that what happened on Thursday was Arizona did not play their best game that they played all season, and Green Bay played their best game. And you had Aaron Rodgers on one side and Matt LaFleur on the other, and on the same side, and that was just better than Kyler Murray and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury at the end of it. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I still would say that I think Green Bay went in there with the game plan. And they executed. And they executed perfectly. And Arizona didn't. They, so, they came in knowing that they had to dominate time of possession. Right, and they did. And they did. They, I mean, I was having this conversation with my buddy Sean, and he kind of brought it up, and I wanted to kind of get your opinion on this. He asked me, do you think the Packers win if Devontae Adams and Al Lazard play? Yeah. I do. I do too, but he raised some excellent points. And I, I kind of want to give him a shout out here. Loyal listener of the show. So from the aspect of the reason I think that they do, and I point to the fact that they should have, is that Green Bay played the perfect game to beat Arizona 
with Arizona keying on the run and playing cover two. I don't I don't think that so if you pay attention to Vegas, traditionally speaking, receivers are not worth a win. So Devontae Adams, traditionally speaking, now this week the line moved a little bit when uh, Devontae Adams was rolled It out. dropped three points. Traditionally speaking, though, wide receivers are not worth a win. The only positions that really are are quarterbacks. Well, and here, here's what I said. I said... If Devontae Adams plays, because Alan Lazard, he's more, I mean, he's known, he's a, he's James Jones 2.0. He's a guy that gets open, always catches yeah. the ball, yep. finds does, the first down. Does he's he great. To. He's great. Excellent block and wide receiver. Excellent block and wide receiver. Does the little about. things. But he's not going to spread the field for you. No. Devontae Adams spreads the field for you. So if Devontae Adams plays in that game, it only opens up the run game more. And allows, I mean, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones had almost 150 yards, or almost, or they had over 150 yards, almost 200 yards. In my opinion, it doesn't matter just for the fact it was Green Bay's night. Aaron Rodgers was not going to lose that game. Matt LaFleur was going to lose that game. Like, they went into that game with the, the perfect game plan, and they executed flawlessly. With Devontae being back, they just execute better than what they... It opens the playbook up more to do different things. Right. And, and Sean's counter, and I, I do want to give him his due credit here, because I think it is something that, you know, it's something that kind of made me think. Without Devontae Adams on the field, you have to rely on other guys. You have to kind of nickel and dime. And that did lead to that time of possession battle leaning heavily towards Green Bay as opposed to the big chunk plays. So I, I get that point of it. Personally speaking, like I said, I can... I can see the argument for it, but I think that Devontae Adams, like I said, I think the big thing is he spreads the field. The run game opens up even more. I don't think the game plan changes with Devontae Adams. I think there might have been a little more, because, you know, Aaron Rodgers only had 184 yards. Right. Which, and let's be honest, Aaron's second half was perfect. I think he had a quarterback rating of 137.3 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which a perfect spot, 139? 153. 153. So 153.8, but. But he had like over 130 pass rate in the second half. Mm-hmm. I, I, with Devontae, I think it helps. I don't necessarily think it changes the outcome. Because I think at the end of the day, you're still going to run the ball like they did. The defense played really well. The defensive line played really well. The Packers' offensive line executed where they needed to. Mm-hmm. Situationally, Green Bay was almost perfect. Right. So that's kind of a wrap on the episode. We just got to finish off one last note here. What are you rooting for this week, Ramsey? A good week of football, probably a good championship week for NASCAR. Okay. I like that. I can get on board with that. I just don't want a shit show. I don't. If it's going to be a shit show, I want it to be a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Or I just want it to be just a good week for everyone involved. I'll give you that. I'm rooting for a Game 7 to occur. So that would be Tuesday and Wednesday. That would need to happen. Back in Houston in the World Series. I'm rooting for a decent week of football. Badgers travel to New Jersey to play Rutgers this week. That game opening, I already don't have a point spread here for it, but 
I'd imagine the Badgers. Oh, no, I found it. It'll, Badgers 11.5 point favorite in that game. Give me the Badgers. Over under 37.5. Under. That's probably where I would go just based on how last week went, but Rutgers also isn't as good as Wisconsin is or as Iowa was defensively. I don't think it matters. Does that make sense? I don't think I think the points that Wisconsin can put up right now probably caps out at 30. Like that's probably as much as they can actually put up. And I don't see Rutgers scoring on that defense. No, not at all. Like I said, 11 and a half, 12 point spread right now, depending on where you find it. The Rutgers offense actually is outscoring the Badgers 23.6 to 21.9. The Badgers have only given up 17 points per game. Yeah, I, I, I would anticipate that being a... Uh... The Badgers give up 214 yards per game, only 49.6 on the ground. That's and insane. Rutgers gives up 359.9. Thank you, Jim Leonard. Thank you, Jim Leonard. So, like I said, just a good week, another good week of Wisconsin sports. Pulling for Kyle Larson, Packers Chiefs, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Green Bay. I'll take Green Bay. Because that's in... It's in Kansas City. So they're saying at Green Bay, Green Bay would be a three-point favorite? It'd be a pick basically. Three, three points for being at home. It's a two-and-a-half-point opening spread. So Prior to this game ending, which second half just kicking off here now, so could see some injuries that maybe swing that one way or another, but... We'll see. So that is episode 47. I wouldn't ask him. Thank you, Zach, for coming on. Follow him along. You know, if you want to follow us, keep following us. Great. But he's the real deal. Yeah, go follow Zach. <laughs> you, you will learn more about football that way. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I mean. Uh... We, have some, we have some okay moments. But hopefully Justin's back next week. We'll have the whole, hopefully the full crew. I hope everyone's in person finally. One's a... When's the last time we were all in person? I mean... Probably May, April, around the draft. Probably. So hopefully we have the full cast and crew in person. If not, you'll hear at least our two two voices on a mic and probably Justin via the Zoom room. But we'll see what happens. This is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 47 in the books. We're out. See you. Bye.